This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is our fourth and hopefully final show, which will be conducted under the difficult circumstances of having a host and a producer five time zones apart. This added difficulty has prevented us from having any special guests during this month of September. We will try to make up for that in the month of October and try and bring you at least somebody different every single program. But let us begin today's show as we like to do week after week, with On This Date in History. Our date in question today is the 25th of September. It was on September 25th in 1066 at the Battle of Stamford Bridge that the English King Harold II defeated a Norwegian invasion force and killed the Norwegian king, who had laid claim to the English throne. Unfortunately, Harold didn't do so well a few weeks later when... William the Conqueror came across the English Channel and did battle at Hastings. This time, Harold lost. On September 25th in 1493, Christopher Columbus shipped out from Cadiz, Spain, on his second voyage to the Americas. This time, he was in command of at least 17 ships. It was quite an extravaganza, that second voyage. He did make four trips over to the New World, and things got well progressively worse on the third and fourth, and... That would make probably a fine program sometime in October just to talk about the misadventures of Christopher Columbus. We certainly don't have time today. We do have time to tell you that it was on September 25th in 1513 that the Spanish explorer Vasco Núñez de Balboa walked across the Isthmus of Panama and became the first European to see the Pacific Ocean. On this date in 1789, the American Bill of Rights, Ten Amendments to the U.S. Constitution that guaranteed basic freedoms, passed Congress and went to the states for ratification. And it was 101 years ago today, September 25th in 1913, that the young English actor Charlie Chaplin, age 24, signed his first movie contract with Max Sennett's Keystone. He got $175 a week and started a rather meteoric rise to fame because within three years, he was raking in $10,000 a week from Mutual Studios, which, uh, frankly, is a pretty good salary today. Our first quote of the day comes from Woodrow Wilson, who once said, I not only use all the brains that I have, but all that I can borrow. Our second quote comes from author Kurt Vonnegut, who once said, The most damning revelation you can make about yourself is that you do not know what is interesting and what is not. Boy, for my money, I think that's a pretty damning revelation about some people that produce radio programs, who I think shall remain nameless. But I'm definitely not referring to KQED and the forum program, because Michael Krasny has a pretty good handle on that particular uh, topic. Our quip of the day comes from economist E.F. Schumacher, who once said, Any intelligent fool can make things bigger, more complex. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. When he was governor for the first time back in the 1970s, Jerry Brown touted E.F. Schumacher in his book. I think it was called something like Small is Better, something along those lines. And uh, really promoted the idea that, you know, we're in an era of limits and bigger isn't necessarily better. 
He, of course, now has gone into a complete reversal on that with his idea that we should put giant siphons into the California Delta and suck more water out of it. He also wants to build a bullet train across California, but in that one, he may be on the right side. Our joke of the day was sent to us by Dwayne and goes as follows. A young female journalist in Jerusalem heard about a very old Jewish man who'd been going to the Western Wall to pray every day for a long, long time. She went to check it out. She went out to the Western Wall, and sure enough, there he was, walking slowly up to the holy site. She watched him pray, and after about 45 minutes, when he turned to leave using a cane and moving very slowly, she approached him for an interview. Pardon me, sir, what's your name? Morris Feinberg, he replied. And how long have you been coming to the Western Wall to pray? For about 60 years. 60 years? That's amazing. What do you pray for? Said Mr. Feinberg. I pray for peace between the Christians, Jews, and Muslims. I pray for all the wars and all the hatred to stop. I pray for all our children to go up safely as responsible adults and to love their fellow man. And I pray that politicians put the interests of the people ahead of their own interests. And Mr. Feinberg, how do you feel after doing this for 60 years? Feinberg paused a moment and said, Like I'm talking to a wall! And I think I'll add this one from Jimmy Kimmel. Starbucks has a new business plan. They're planning to open about 100 new upscale coffee shops with more expensive coffee. I guess it's aimed at those customers who feel that regular Starbucks prices are just too reasonable. Our stats of the day are as follows, and they're all kind of downers. First off, according to Huffington Post slash YouGov, 20% of Americans have taken a, quote, intimate, unquote, photo of themselves or others with a cell phone camera, including 39% of Americans under the age of 30. Number two, 65% of smartphone users in the U.S. check their device upon waking in the morning. And on the average, 18 to 24-year-olds check their phones 53 times a day, according to the WallStreetJournal.com. And finally, we have Joseph to thank for sending us this one, which is that almonds alone, almonds alone use about 10% of California's total water supply every year. Apparently, it takes 1.1 gallons of water to produce one almond. Of course, we should add that a pound of beef takes about 5,000 gallons of water. And yes, of course, we'll continue to follow this water story here in California because, well, I think water is the story of California. All right, I think at this point I'll jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week a couple weeks back for understandable confusion after the New York Times noted that one of its articles had misstated the former title of Dick Cheney. Noted the Times, he was in fact the vice president, not the president. Yeah, we have to say, easy mistake to make. 
It was, on the other hand, a rather bad week last week for making do after a witness at a bankruptcy hearing for the city of Detroit testified that firefighters were relying on a makeshift emergency alert system. In one, an incoming fax hits a door hinge which tugs on a wire which sets off a doorbell. Shades of Rube Goldberg. And it was a very ugly week last week for political correctness with the news the gangs of Pakistani men had raped and trafficked at least 1,400 mostly white teen and tween girls for years in the English city of Rotterdam. According to a report released last week, authorities turned a blind eye to it. Evidently, some officials feared being called racist if they investigated a Pakistani sex ring. This, in fact, had been the fourth inquiry since 2002 to to have identified Rotherham as a hub of child trafficking, but officials refused to believe the other three reports. Holy cow. And you have to regard it as both a bad and ugly week last week for European boar hunters, with the news that as a result of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster nearly three decades ago, Germany's forests today are full of radioactive boars. Recent tests by authorities in the eastern state of Saxony found that one in three wild boars in its forest contained such high levels of radiation that they were unfit for human consumption. Wild boars are thought to have a worse problem than other animals because, uh, well, they root through contaminated soil for food and scarf down mushrooms and truffles that apparently store radiation. Experts guesstimate that radioactive boars could still be a factor in European forests 50 years from now. Well, let's note a few letters to the editor, shall we? The first was sent to us by Joseph, who has been a frequent contributor of late. And a quote from this forwarded piece from the Huffington Post, Coca-Cola isn't the only soda that started as a pharmaceutical elixir. 7-Up! The 85-year-old citrus soft drink once went by the less catchy name Bib Label Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda, and it was packed with mood-enhancing lithium. And as you may or may not know, lithium, a salt found in groundwater, has long been used to treat bipolar disorder and also depression. And it's speculated that lithium's mind-altering effects may have been an early draw for what became 7-Up, the drink which contained... The compound lithium citrate started selling just two weeks before the stock market crash back in October of 1929. Turns out Bib Label Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda cost more than uh, most of its competitors, but did manage to attract a following. Evidently, soon after its release, founder Charles Grigg renamed it 7-Up, which you have to admit is quite a bit catchier. Huffington Post notes that theories about the origin of that name vary, but the most logical explanation is that the 7 in 7-Up refers to the drink's seven ingredients. Carbonated water, sugar, citrus oils, citric acid, sodium citrate, and lithium citrate. The U.S. FDA banned the use of lithium in beer and soft drinks in 1948, and 7-Up got reformulated two years later. I like that part. <laughs> they, they, uh, they banned it in 48, and then two years later they changed it. And here's a letter that... Uh, we find rather irresistible, even though it wasn't sent to us. It was sent to the world's smartest woman, or is it the world's smartest person? Marilyn Vos Savant. A.N. of Akron, Ohio, wrote her to ask, 
We know that the right brain performs certain functions and the left brain specializes in other tasks. But we also know that the right brain controls the left side of the body and the left brain regulates the right side. So what about our ears? Are they exactly the same or do they hear things differently? Said Marilyn, Scientists had long assumed that our ears were the same and that decoding sound took place entirely in the brain with signals relayed to the appropriate side. But we now know that auditory processing starts right at the ear. For example, the right ear is geared more toward speech, and the left ear is attuned more to music. She notes that children with right ear hearing impairments have more trouble in school than those with left ear loss. So if you're listening to music with a single earphone, you might want to put it in your left ear. But if you're trying to learn a language, you might want to keep the earphone in your right ear. And the letters section of New Scientist provoked um, this little discussion, which, well, I'm not sure how to classify this one. So I guess I'll just read the damn thing. Toilet paper, for some reason, has attracted copious responses following our skeptical inquiry into figures for annual consumption. That was from the May 3rd issue. John Davies was one to note his father saying that, quote, in the British Army, he was issued only three sheets at a time. One to wipe, one to dry, one to polish. Yes, polish. The magazine went looking and found that... uh, Lee B. Kennett wrote a book titled G.I., The American Soldier in World War II, and confirmed that the British Army stocked toilet paper on the assumption that the soldier would use three sheets per day. The American ration was 22 and a half sheets. And frankly, I'm I'm at a bit of a loss for a wisecrack. And finally, we have a question posited in the Wall Street Journal answered by, uh, by the author of the piece. The question was, what's the best language for learning math? It was asked by Sue Schellenbarger. The answer was, hint, you're not reading it. Languages like Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and Turkish help children learn to count and do math more effectively than English, according to research, because they use simpler number words and express math concepts more clearly. Chinese, for example, has just nine number names, while English has more than two dozen unique words for numbers. This means that English speakers do have to do additional mental steps to understand the value of a digit like 17, which is rendered 17 in English, but 10-7 in Chinese or Turkish. I think we'll be taking up our usual algebra bashing sometime next month. One of my neighbors asked me to help her child with this new math that's being touted because... She has no clue. Her husband has no clue. And they're just hoping that I'll have a clue. Got to say, the fact that uh, we're giving fifth graders pre-algebra now, (laughs) we can make Americans even less competent with math than they already are, is uh, something that I think someone should be going to jail for. Seems like by the time they're through showing you that A over B equals C over D, no one can figure out that a half is the same thing as two-fourths. Of course, maybe it's deliberate. No one seems to be able to work with exponents very well. So, you know, I guess people go out and get those 30-year mortgages at whatever interest rate and never bother to calculate how much they're going to spend to service their debt over all those years. I think if they did that, maybe they'd change their behavior. I don't know. Now, I don't know, dear listener, if you're like me, when you read a story like this, that uh, Dateline Honolulu, 
Lava creeping toward rural communities on Hawaii's Big Island is slowing down, according to the U.S. Geological Survey's Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. The Honolulu Star Advertiser reported that the flow is 1.4 miles upslope from the outskirts of a Pahoa community. Just stop and pause and wonder who it is that builds a house out near a place where lava is known to flow. Of course, you have to note that here in California, where we have perennial water problems and currently a drought and currently a major wildfire raging east of, um, of our capital, that once people are burned out, they're probably going to rebuild and wait for the next wildfire. How different is that than the lava flow thing? I don't know. Get tired of news crews sticking a microphone in somebody's face and saying, uh, how many times have you been burned out of Inferno Canyon? Oh, this is our third time. But we love it here. We're going to rebuild. Anyway, a guy that we know is always on fire and always rebuilding is our good pal, Mr. Will Durst. Let's, let's, let's hear from him, shall we? Hey guys, Will Durst here to say it's time to put on your shoes, shake off the blues, and tell Grandma the news. The next generation iPhones are here. Woohoo! And they're huge! Or not. You get to choose. The iPhone 6 Plus looks like they shrunk the mini pad or tiny iPad or whatever they call it. Is that an iPhone 6 Plus in your pocket or are you just really, really happy to see me? Old folks are raising their prune juice and toast. They can finally see the buttons. On the small side, the iWatch is not the iWatch, it's the Apple Watch. Even though the company filed for trademark protection in about 100 markets for the right to call it the iWatch. Of course, the wrist-wearing computer won't become i-available until 2015. Or when the i-swatch freezes over, whichever comes first. The Android Galaxy Samsung contingent continues to flame away about how Apple has merely caught up to their smartphones, but methinks they doth protest too much. It's like Lexus owners bashing Acura drivers for finally getting contrasting leather stitching on their seats. Dude, they're different. Settle down. Who cares? Anyone who depends that much on a phone for their identity doesn't need a new phone. They need a life. Besides, the antipathy flows pretty much one way. Apple heads couldn't care less about the androidites, which probably just heightens their frustration. Of course, the Apple community is so blindly loyal, they'd line up to buy the next iteration, even if the only new feature were a rotary dial. Used to be the hip phones would get smaller and smaller, but now we're headed towards a 19-inch model that comes with eye saddlebags on an eye pony to carry it around. Optional, of course. Then again, some of us will never be satisfied until we find the phone that will dry the dishes and do the laundry. Siri, are you down there? Don't forget to separate the colors. I swear, that girl would lose her head if it weren't pre-installed. For Radio Parallax... I'm Will Durst. All right, I think we need to take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. We got lots to talk about the next two segments. Don't go away. (laughs) 